This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Have you ever wondered what to do with those empty backpacking fuel canisters? Or if you're like me, maybe you just have them piling up in your garage. Well, I have good news for you. Outdoor Element has created this awesome tool to help you dispose in an environmentally friendly way of those empty fuel canisters. Handled by Outdoor Element is an awesome little tool that disposes of the remaining gas and then allows you to puncture holes into the can safely. This tool has worked out awesome for us and now we can take those empty fuel canisters and recycle them. So if you're looking for a green way to dispose of those empty fuel canisters, check out Handled by Outdoor Element. They also make an adapter for those small green propane tanks. Not only does Handled let you dispose of your fuel canisters in an environmentally friendly way, it also doubles as a pot gripper tool. You no longer have to worry about burning your hands on those metal pots. This tool is awesome and I love it. We've used it all summer long on our road trip. So go on over to OutdoorElement.com and check out Handled and get your camp kitchen handled. Use the code HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE and save 10% off your order at OutdoorElement.com. Again, that's HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE. Use that coupon code at OutdoorElement.com and receive 10% off your order. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we have Michael Mojica on the podcast with us. He is the business owner of Outdoor Element, a Colorado family-owned gear company, where you're here to dive into the story of how a side hustle over the years has turned into a business of making innovative outdoor gear that has multiple uses. Welcome to the podcast, and I hope I did not butcher that last name. Oh, you did pretty good. Mojica is generally how it's pronounced, but I thought it was close enough. Thanks for having me on. Perfect. Yeah, and that's, um, are you Native American? Yeah, so it's on my dad's, I guess, mother's side, uh, Pueblo Nation, Laguna Tribe. Um, my my dad's like a gore dancer for the Indian Nation, and he's really, really involved. And I've kind of just kind of come to this, I won't say just knowledge, but kind of like embracing this and see my dad really get into uh, the Indian culture and everything. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Then we did the whole uh, DNA thing. My mom and dad did it. I, I guess he's. 42% native. My mom came back more 
like 46 and we're like whoa we didn't even know we're that much native and so we just started really embracing this probably last 10 years or so and my dad's like he uh used to work for the va uh for friends affairs and he started doing this program for the nations and kind of teach them to accept benefits and so this really close bond of uh, with native americans and then he kind of break we did our pedigree chart and figured it out we're like oh my gosh so we that was presented to a chief who then ex- accepted, um, I guess, the credentials of the pedigree chart. And I was issued my little Native American card kind of later in life. But it's been awesome to kind of embrace my roots. I was an army brat growing up, so I just kind of grew up all over, born in Germany and raised in Texas. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool how you just like have embraced that within the past 10 years. Usually people like grow up knowing all of that. But yeah, with all of our technology and like, finding your family trees online now, it's so attainable to do. Um, have you been able to like trace back your Native American tribes, like the land? Cause I know there's so much history, so much rich, rich history about the land and Native American tribes. So have you done that at all? So, yeah, well, my dad has done that in, in New Mexico. Uh, if you look up like Laguna tribe, it's a little spot in the middle of New Mexico. It's I drove through it, stopped there a couple of times. It's a, it's really a pile of sand, unfortunately. That's all it really is, but some awesome people. Uh, and, you know, I, I really love the culture. I, I won't say, I, I like, I want to, I don't want to go retire there by any means, but it's, they're beautiful people. Um, and, you know, I, I love embracing my culture. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that is really special to be able to embrace where you're from. So where where did you grow up if it wasn't New Mexico? Yeah, so it was mostly Texas. I spent um, I probably six years in Germany. That's where I was born because of the active military duty with my dad. Uh, but my dad settled down uh, mostly up and down 25, if you know Texas. And so I spent some time in Waco, Texas, in uh, Arlington, Texas, in Austin, Texas, where I went to school, um, and Arlington as well, and then Hillsborough. I love Texas. They have the best people and the best barbecue, uh, they, but it's also hot, humid, full of fire ants and chiggers, and so it has the pros and cons. Yeah, I, I've i never been there, but everyone that I've talked to from there, just the hot is always like one of the top three things that they mention about Texas, just that it's hot. So was the outdoor lifestyle something you grew up with in Texas or was it too hot there to do that? Yeah. So my dad was usually involved in Boy Scouts. And so I went on many of scout uh, camp outs and trips and which I loved. And my dad being in the military is kind of a outdoors guy. So, you know, we're usually sleeping on top of the sleep bags and not inside tents or anything like that. And so I, I thought I loved the outdoors and uh, just through my profession, I was, an engineer and then I found myself in aerospace I took a job up here in Colorado and I really discovered what the outdoor backcountry is all about uh my I remember when I first moved here a neighbor of mine asked me to go hike a, a 14er and I was like yeah let's do it and then I asked him what's a 14er you know and then he introduced me to like what mountains really were and I remember doing my first hike and I was like I could I can hike a mountain what's that's not a big deal and I found myself like after 12 uh, probably above tree line I'm like counting my steps if I can walk 100 steps and that's a good thing take a break take a breath and then walk another 100 steps take a break um, but I loved it it was to me it felt like 
almost like a spiritual experience, like hiking my first 14ers, like found peace and just really loved the outdoors. I'm like, I, this needs to be part of my life more and more. And so that's kind of how the whole outdoor element thing started as a kind of a side. Also, like I love the outdoors. And then uh, just because of my background, I was able to design a few things and kind of jump into this this industry, which I love. I, I can't speak highly enough of the outdoor uh, industry. Well, okay. Yeah. I love that you just kind of like went for a 14 or didn't even know what it was. Like, that's a really big feat for someone just to like take on. And that's pretty cool that that was like one of your first big introductions to the outdoors, <laughs> especially as like an engineer. Sometimes you think like those people like are going to analyze everything about like what a 14er could be, but like you just dive into it. And I love that. That's a very entrepreneurial mindset too, to just try things and go for it. But like, what about the outdoors and like making gear? Why did you want to do that? Did you try gear on your first few hikes that just wasn't working out? Well, always growing up. And, and then again, here in Colorado, whenever I go out either for a hike or for a camping trip, you're always using little gadgets, little gear, which I'm fascinated of. I'm a mechanical engineer, so that fascinates me. I, I'm typically taking things apart and sort of putting them back together and seeing if I can modify them. And so it was just a natural thing for me as, as I would use, whether it be a trekking pole and I'd either cut it down or add something to it. And and then I would just like, how can I enhance this moment? And then I'm like, how, how can I also embrace my roots here? I was given the name Bodaway, which means fire maker. And at least for me, Texan boy growing up, like what, what boy doesn't like starting fires? I think there's a little bit of a pyro in all of us, but fire also needs to be respected. So it's something kind of like I treated like, hey, this is something that can bring us warmth. It can, uh, it can you know, in time of, of need, it can like help people find you. So I was like, you know what, maybe I can do something around this fire aspect. Um, and so I, you know, I worked with starting with my, my first buckle. It's a little fire starting buckle. And I got, I got that going. I think I got an outdoor or outside magazine. I thought like, oh, I made it. This is going to be awesome. And then I was like knocked off by all of China and everyone else. And it was just crazy. I was like, oh, man, this is this a little harder than I thought it was. Um, and then I, I just kind of want to always enhance that moment. At the time, I think one of my daughters was six. And she couldn't start a fire with a ferris rod and a striker trying to throw a spark into like some embers or into like a tinder pile. Because she was just young and little. And I thought you know, well, how can I make her start a fire? Like, what if I need her, I need her to make a fire for me. And I thought of, you know, why not a little flint wheel? Everyone knows how to like scroll a, a wheel, like a big lighter. And I thought, what, um, what says outdoors better than a carabiner? I always felt like a carabiner was one of those things. I'd done a few um, playing around in rock climbing gyms, uh, not really too much on mountains when I was in Texas. Um, but like a carabiner says, I belong in the outdoors. And maybe you just use it to keychain or, or whatever, but it's like it's that little symbol, little icon, like, yeah, I'm, I'm for the outdoors. I'm like, hey, let's integrate this little spark wheel into a carabiner. Uh, and so I had a buddy of mine in Texas. He's a machinist. He, I designed something up and then he machined it out and I built it up in my house and then I gave it uh, to my six-year-old. And I was like, and then I gave her a cotton ball. I'm like, hey, can you start a fire with this? And she's like, first time, like within like probably 30 seconds, she had a little fire going. I'm like, yes, like now can I share this with the world? And, and so I, I like Kickstarter. It's a good platform to introduce product to the world just to see if there's any takers and people understand what I'm doing. And so that's what I tend to do uh, now. Say if I have a new innovation that, where I can't cover overhead, uh, if like IP protection and first production run, um, I'll go to my Kickstarter platform and say, this is what I've been doing. You know, I love the outdoors. Let's see if we can start a fire in another way. 
and that's how I kind of bring things to life. So it's for me, it's a natural progression. I've, it, you know, with I guess my education as an engineer, I've always been designing things and creating prints, and just not for myself. And I'm like, why not try do something for myself that I love doing, and and it's sort of blossomed. I'm I'm kind of on that road to like chasing this American dream down, which. I love. Right. Well, and I love how like innovative your things are. Like you, you're taking like your daughter, a child out into the wilderness and using her own experience as not being able to do something and turning it into something that a child can do. And I think that's super cool. And I also, I was watching some of your YouTube videos. I think it's really awesome how you bring your daughters into the videos when you're doing all these reviews too. I mean, it just shows that camping and the outdoors culture is just a huge part of your family lifestyle as well. Like you guys are really embracing it all. Is that something you've always done with your girls? Yeah. So we, I've always been an outdoorsy type guy anyway. So when my wife and I decided to have kids, like this is part of our life where we're going to be runners and we're going to go hike trails and we're going to do, you know, do some camping events. And so for us, it just feel like a natural thing. I, you know, I was blessed with four daughters. And so I, and I try to make it fun. I don't know if you saw the video where I, I had a, like a fire starting challenge uh, with my four kids and I totally got beat. I got smoked. It was one of those humbling moments. I'm like, dude, my daughter just beat me making a fire. We're just trying to burn a rope. That's like made a foot off the ground. And the winner got like a shake. I think I bought them all shakes though, but I was just proud of them. Um, but yeah, it's like all of us, no matter it's the outdoors uh, and be able to like use simple things to either get a fire going or to understand how to make a camp out um, or a campsite and how they navigate as well. And so for me, I, I think it's important and it's been fun to, to get out and explore. And sometimes uh, sometimes we get hurt, uh, but we learn, you know? And then and then I, I think like, well, how can I make that better? And how can I learn from the experience? And my kids seem to be embracing it. Uh, they, they're smiling most of the time, And but it's it's always been fun for, for us. We've been all over to national parks. That's one of our things that we love to do. We, we've been over to, to Glacier and to Yellowstone and the Grand Canyon and the Tetons. Uh, to Joshua Tree so for us it's kind of a way of life and so for me it's like this is something the kids will always remember yeah just bringing your kids outdoors is definitely something that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives and when it's instilled at a young age like that's going to be huge for them okay you mentioned that boat away was your you got that name was that like a trail name you got? Because I mean, usually people get like trail names from going on through hikes. Have you done a through hike? Is that where you got it? And so um, in the Indian family, then that's presented to the uh, chief. And then once that's blessed, then we're, it's formally given uh, me. So it's my Indian native name is Bodaway. And so it's kind of been an inspiration to me. It's like, hey, I'm gonna, I want to make this a common theme. Uh, within much of my product line and so we have that fire starting bracelet and we have a couple of fire starting carabiner fire starting knife I was taking a mountaineering course over in Golden a few years ago and they said for fire creation two is one and one is none and so we should always have at least two different ways to make fire and I thought what a better way it's a little one ounce solution it can be on my wrist or it can just be like on a, on a keychain or something and always have something on you just in case something happens you have the ability to to you know to start a fire and you stay warm, be seen, be found. And hopefully, you know, search and rescue comes and you're like, I'm okay, guys. I just need some help off the mountain now. So that's kind of been the, uh, the inspiration behind the name to kind of propel my little business. Yeah. I love that. Well, and so speaking of like the business side of it, how did that even start? If I'm understanding correctly, you still work out of your basement. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm still working, uh, out of two basements. Now I have a partner, 
and he has a bigger basement than I have, and his wife has graciously given us the reins, and so we have thousands of carabiners that are just stacked on his walls. Uh, then I have like a, a 3D printer in my basement, and it's I'm usually there right now, but I came upstairs trying to get better internet right now for this podcast. But yeah, it's usually I'm tucked away designing something, and I'll print something out, and then I try to break it, and you know. And so for me, I, you know, I love uh, just the daily grind. I think this this is part of the American dream. Like, you know, I, I don't come from a bunch of money or anything, but I'm like, hey, let's let's try to make this happen. And so it's it's for me, it's been a treat. I, I love it. You know, I leaving corporate America and going to my basement just to kind of think and. I, I love it. I generally go on a trail run for inspiration. Then I come home and I'm usually overly excited. And I tell my wife about the next best invention. I go downstairs and get on my little CAD. You know, I use SolidWorks and AutoCAD and I draw stuff up. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And it usually takes a few iterations, but sometimes I get there. Well, yeah, no, I love that you said you went on a trail run. Like, yeah, just like getting outside for that inspiration sometimes, that creative thinking can help so much. That's like, I go out on a little walk every day and just like that in itself is so inspiring when you just like need some like some open thinking. It's amazing what the outdoors can do. Oh, I can't agree more. Like that's it. And it's usually like, if I get big smiles, I know I'm coming home with a revelation. That's where, like, I talk to my maker. I come home with a revelation. I mean, just, like, everything. It's, like, something about a nice run and just breathing some air. So what what year did this all start, and how has it grown over time? I mean, it sounds like you're in magazines. It sounded like REI. You guys are getting your products in REI. So how is that? What year did it start? So um, this started 2012, I think early 2012. Um, and ironically, that's like, that's the year I moved to Colorado. And um, it was a side hustle. I was in aerospace as a mechanical engineer. And did you have, were you, did you have your four girls at this time? No, I, I think I had three. Because um, my fourth daughter was born here uh, in Parker, Colorado. Uh, so I had three daughters, a beautiful bride. Uh, made the trip up to Colorado, settled down here, and just started this thing as a little side hustle. And eventually, I'm like, man, this thing might have some wheels. I, I'm going to have to go chase this thing down. Uh, I was blessed to go through four layoffs in my life. Um, I met a guy in the medical field, and I did a side project for him. And he was able to get a patent on the design I helped him with. And he had a small business, and I just saw that potential. I'm like, oh, wow, Like he's doing great. And I was, I'm happy for him. I thought it was amazing that I could be part of that experience. And so when I moved over here to Colorado, I like that was kind of also a part of inspiration of like going through a layoff and then helping someone else with his, you know, his idea. Then I kind of bring it to life and made it work. Um, and then I'm like, why not do something for myself? And so, you know, that was also kind of those that little tipping point that helped me understand like, you know, you don't have to work eight to five and you can just follow your passions. You know, and I was falling more and more in love with these outdoors and I, and I love design. So I'm like, let's just put this together and chase a dream. And it probably took my wife six months of praying before she's like, all right, try it. Cause I'm a sole breadwinner, you know? And then, you know, while we're here in Colorado I have my fourth beautiful daughter, uh, Maya. And my wife's like, okay, you're gonna leave a good paying job with good benefits to make some carabiners? I'm like, yes, this is going to be awesome. And so it, it took a little bit, but once she was on board, you know, I wanted definitely her to be on board. Happy wife, happy life. I'm like, you find good partners. Um, I'm grateful that I can have a Joe Brown. He's like, helped me with like logistics and scaling and operations. And I can kind of be, 
you know, like leave me alone so I can just think of awesome stuff. Um, but it's, yeah, I've made lots of mistakes and, but that's fine. As long as I learn from them, you know, and it's, I think that's the key to life. It's like, we're all going to mess up. It's like, how fast are you going to learn from it? Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. And having a business partner who totally like balances you out is going to help you so much. And exactly learning from your own mistakes. That's like the best way to learn through your own experiences. I think if we don't learn through experiences, we're not necessarily going to apply it to our everyday life. So at what point did you bring your business partner, Joe, on with you? Oh, wow. Um, I started this business trying to do things myself and realized quickly, like, man, I can't do this. And, uh, and I need some help. And so for a little while, there was kind of stagnant and a mutual friend put me and Joe together. And I was kind of just tossing questions to him, kind of like a, a mentorship because he'd helped a couple of small businesses scale and have an exit strategy. It was around 2015. It was still a side hustle. I quit my day job in 2017, uh, October. So it's just over three years Three years now that I jumped all in. I'm like, okay, Joe, like if we're going to make a go at it, like I need to give it my all. And uh, he was kind of quasi-retired. Not, you know, he's like, look, I can, I don't, he doesn't need a, an eight to five to sustain himself. Um, and so it's been, I guess, a blessing to him and to me and a little relief that's like, okay, it's like, we can dedicate some real time to ourselves. Uh, I built up a little bit of savings with my eight to five. I'm like, okay, I have, I don't know, it was like six or eight months worth of savings. Let's just go at it and take the plunge. And so now are you totally sustaining off of this? Or I mean, is your wife still working or is this totally sustainable? Yeah. So um, the company, you know, it's sustainable. How much does it pay me is the great question that we all need to ask. And I am so close to like, covering all the bills i mean it's, it's right 2021 is my year um i've been just living off kind of our savings and you know it's been supplementing because outdoor i been slowly paying myself a little more um each year and right now we're right at that tipping point we're like oh my gosh i can breathe again and i'm hoping that just opens the doors to more ideas because it's kind of stressful you know i'm not gonna lie i think any entrepreneur should you know admit that like you do need to pay the bills and and, and if you don't come from you know a wealth program then you know, it's, it's stressful, but I think there is, there's more joy in my journey when I chase my passions, uh, than just, I won't say just doing eight to five. I did love my eight to five, but I go pitch these national parks. And so we get to go hike them too. And I'm like, look, kids, you know, we might not have a lot, but we're having a lot of fun and we're making all these memories. And I don't know. I feel like the whole family is kind of joined in and support that since then this past year, my wife and three of the oldest daughters have started letswalkdog.com. And so they've just started making dog leashes made out of recycled plastics. And so they've, they've seen me make all these pitches and they, they'll, they'll come and at my booths, like I'll be like a, a sponsor for maybe a race event around a national park. And my kids will come and totally help me out and make these pitches. And they've kind of got that flavor and that taste of it. And they're like, Hey, you know, maybe there's something we can do. And so we sat down one day and we're like, yeah, do you want to do something? And they wanted a dog again. And yeah, like, why don't you start a business around dogs? And then like, I can totally be your mentor. You know, I'll help you out. And they're like, let's do it. And so it's been fun to see them grow. And hopefully, you know, their company will take off too. And between the two of us, it'll be great. You know, it'll be exciting. But yeah, so we're, we're, we're there. Like we're, we're, we're so close. We're there. Well, yeah, we just need I, these tariffs to go away. Can I tell you about these tariffs? Man, they're, they're killing me. 
Yeah, totally. Well, I, I mean, I love that you're bringing your whole family into it. I think that's making it that much more meaningful and teaching them so many lessons from like, I mean, they're probably what, like 12 years old or 14 years old about, I think that's what you said. And that's like a really good age to be teaching those skills. And like, that is the future, not that far off. Right. No, to- 100% agree. I was telling my kid, like oldest is now uh, turned 15 and the youngest is uh, 10 uh, in the business. And I was telling them, I was like, hey, you know, if you want to go to college, um, having this on your resume of like owning a small business, like this is what's going to propel you in the future. One of the kids is like, wait a minute, dad, if this takes off, do I need to go to college? I'm like, yes, you need to go to college. Like it will only help you. Like don't not go to college. It, but anyway, so that's another story. But totally, I really feel like they're getting their little MBA program before they get out of high school, you know? I'm excited to be part of it and, and learn as well. Um, I I would say this too, if you're if you're in school, like force yourself to take an entrepreneurial course. For me, it's just been a lot of catch up, you know, figure out like, oh, you know, what, what these margins need to look like? What are these cost of goods? How you handle logistics? And, and what's a business plan? What's a business model? Like, I don't know. And so I, I find myself, you know, reading a lot of books and reading lots of blogs. For sure. It's all about figuring things out and learning, learning as you go. So, I mean, you mentioned so many of these fire starter carabiners. Is there any other products that are like really good sellers or is that carabiner your number one seller? Yeah. So right now, uh, the carabiner, my other problem with my camp kitchen was I had all these fuel canisters that go on the bottom of their stoves. And once they're empty, I'm like, well, what do I do with these things? Because I knew like, like for me as an engineer, I'm like, this is pressurized. I probably shouldn't throw this away. So I just had like a stockpile, like you know, 10 of these things. And like, I don't, so I looked it up and I'm like, okay, you're supposed to depressurize. If there's any gas, you know, push that little pin, there's a little valve, let the rest of the gas out. And then you're supposed to puncture holes in the sides of the can before you throw it in the recycle bin. Otherwise it's not, you're not allowed to throw it in the recycle bin because it's a pressurized system. And if it's under heat and pressure, it can come like, turn to like a little bomb, you know? So it's not a, it's not a great thing to do. And, and so I developed a little thing where it turns into a recycle tool on the back of the handle your fuel canister can screw onto it and it pushes on that valve to let out the rest of the gas. Cause whenever you're, it's empty, there's always a tiny bit left in there. So it lets the gas out. And then while it's on there, it acts as a pivot arm. And so it, there's a little puncture point on this thing and it punctures holes into the fuel canister. And so it, it makes it ready for a recycle. And so I wanted there's like two pinpoints or pain points on camping trips. Like don't burn your hands. And then what do you do with these fuel canisters? I'm like, let's just solve this with one tool. And the cool thing is, like, um, because of COVID, like, I haven't been able to go to trade shows or anything, but I was able to make, like, a personal little video, and I sent it to REI, and they're like, we love it. Like, let's do it. And so they actually brought it on. Um, you know, they, they sent me a PO before I even had production. And so I thought it was amazing that REI would work with a small little company and, you know, do some things with some video conferences and, and talking over the phone. But it's been really cool to be embraced. That's what I mean. It's like being embraced by uh, really reputable people to like get my product out there. And so this is brand new. It's been on the market for a couple of weeks. And so it's now available at REI and, and uh, OutdoorElement.com. And what's that equipment called if somebody wanted to get it? What's the name of it? So it's called Handled. Yeah, Handled. Like you, I, I named it Handled because like you get your camp kitchen handled. So it's a handle. And then also you're dealing with your little you know, your fuel canisters once they're, once they're done. So I'm also working up, I, I have a bunch of stuff. I'm working on a couple of I have a couple of knives. I'm working on one right now. I'm also working on a couple of different 
uh, buckles that I'm hoping that I can integrate into some packs uh, that have some intellectual property behind it. Um, so we, we filed for some patents and it's, I don't know, for me, it's like, I just feel like as I keep using things and as I keep burning myself or whatever, my little hiccups that I have with my little adventures, I think, could I improve this? And if I can, like, let's see what I can do. And so I'll make a few things of prototypes. And thankfully I have like the best neighbor in the world. He has like a little machine shop in his garage. And so if I get, get a flat pattern made, I like, I remember bringing over parts to him and like, Hey, Keith, can you help me like bend up some sheet metal and weld some stuff? And it's custom choppers. It's just a kind of a hobby. Yeah. It's like totally a story of neighbors helping out neighbors and really just like living your dream and having people support you. I, I love that your neighbors are helping you. That makes this so much better. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say, like, what's the, what's the biggest challenge you've had? Is it just learning the whole business side operations of this? I, I think for me, um, because I have my partner, Joe, now, I think operations and, you know, business affairs, we we're getting that right. And then I'm like, the dreamer, happy, totally overly optimistic guy. I think what I personally struggle with is a couple of things is like brand awareness and marketing. Like to me, it's just like, I don't know, pixie dust, black magic. I, I, I don't quite get it. I read a lot of blogs and I've had a lot of people come pitch me stuff and I'm like, man, I don't know. I just design stuff. And, and so I'm, I'm pretty good if I host a booth and I like show people my product does. But if you tell me to go create an ad and share it with the world, I'm like, I'll take some cool pictures and some videos, but I personally don't understand um, marketing and I'm okay saying that. Like I totally fake it and I have a few books I'm reading right now and I read a few blogs and if you have any pointers, like let me know. I, everyone has a little gold nugget to share. I, I like, I want to know and I'll try it out. Well, gosh, I mean, I can tell just by talking to you for the past like 40 minutes that you would be an amazing person at a booth because you have just like this energy to you and you're so positive and you're so personable that I I could see the booth thing working out really, really well for you. Yeah, I so when I um, I'm a sponsor to this company called Vacation Races and they host race events at national parks. And so my general plan of attack is I take like an extremely long road trip to get to Yellowstone or wherever we're hosting the event. And I'll just stop at all these mom and pop shops and see if I can just pitch them for like four minutes. And it's actually been the best thing for me. It's like, it's, we were able to get into uh, the Grand Canyon that way, you know, and it's just like all these opportunities open up like, like, let me just get in front of you. Is there anything else you wanted to add that we haven't talked about? Um, yeah. I mean, one thing like, so I make things in China. I tried to, I got quotes stateside first. I actually, probably every other year I get quotes stateside and I realize I just can't do it. And so I make things in China uh, and I love these people. Like I, just my personal history, I, I spent a couple of years in Taiwan kind of doing some missionary work. So I learned some Chinese. They, they treat us like family. We'll go eat out with them when they fly over here. We'll they'll eat with, at our houses as well. And so we, we love the Chinese and like, maybe we don't necessarily agree with the government, uh, but you know, 2018 happened and President Trump uh, did these like 301 punitive tariff stuff. And so it, it just kept on increasing the tariffs and I like an additional 25% tariff. And I just really feel like it's a disservice and pleading to my current administration to like, hey, let's let's take these tariffs away because guess what? I pay for them. It's not like the Chinese or someone else is paying for them. It's like, no, when things come into the States, 
all these small businesses, they're writing a check to the U.S. government uh, just to have their product, you know? And so for me, it's like you put 25% uh, increase of cost of goods and it's been tough to bear. COVID was no, uh, no friend to us at the beginning because uh, we had all the national parks closed down. And so we had this great disparity at first with, with income and then we're still heavy laden with these taxes. And I'm like, come on, America, like help small businesses. Like there's lots of, well, I'm, I'm a person working with people. There's no need to, in my opinion, there, there, there's no need to like create hardship between that commerce. And, and so I don't know if this, if your audience can reach out to their senators, you know, and, and I get, I love Made in America. I mean, I used to work and be a government contractor, DOD stuff. I'd modify aircraft for the Air Force. And it was, I loved it. And there's a place for that. But there's also a place for just like, um, just regular commerce with regular people that want to go enjoy the outdoors and they don't want to pay $50 for a carabiner. You know, they want to pay 15 And your audience, uh, any, you know, a call to action, like, yeah, check out my website. It's awesome. Also reach out. Like you, your voice is powerful. Like you'd be surprised the people, if you just reach out and start talking to people and people will start listening. I, I actually sit on a little board. I govern a little bit of taxes for like, I don't know, four or five square miles of where I live. And I help beautify this green space that I govern uh, in the my little metro district. And, you know, I joined the board because I wanted a voice and I love this green space. I live by the Cherry Creek trails where I always go run. And I always wanted to ensure that it stays that way and doesn't get bought up and put a bunch of apartments up or something. And so America, we run on small business. So like 98% of businesses are small businesses. And, let's not hurt those people. Like we are the root and the heart of our economy. We bring innovation. You know, it's like, it's the small guys that are thinking things up and then hoping to become big, but it's us little small dreamers that we're trying to, you know, make our little footprint on this world, hope a little better footprint. Uh, but let's not make it harder. Let's not laden ourselves with these heavy taxes. And so let's, let's put some positive vibes out there and say, Hey, this is maybe not the best solution. Uh, let's think of else. If, if, if I think it all started with like these intellectual property wars of like, oh, some of these Chinese governments or uh, factories weren't respecting uh, patents. Well, there's other ways. You don't have to do tariffs. You know, it's like we can brainstorm ideas like don't hurt small business, American small business. So anyway. Yeah, small businesses definitely do a lot for us, especially in the outdoor world. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.